everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deets with Dita. I'm your host Nandita and today we have a special guest with us. Hello, it's me, Tom Hanks. Oh my Thank god, you for having- it's Tom Hanks. I am shook. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody duped me, this is a crazy day. Oh, how are you today? I'm all right. Wow. First guest who's actually asked me how I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. I'm looking forward to getting into these films because this was a spicy year. This is a very good year for film. Yeah, it really was. I have to agree. That's why I wanted to do this year, actually, because it felt like a solid year. Uh, But before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just to the audience. Um, my name is Kingsley. I'm a math student and aspiring actor. Um, and a film addict. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems to be the trend. If you come on my podcast, you tend to be film addicts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's oh. like the one criteria that you need to meet. <laughs> So, as you said, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Oscar films of 2018. So what that basically means is the best picture nominees of the 2018 Academy Awards ceremony. Um, I know Wikipedia has weird definitions for what they think, but I'm going off the Oscars Academy Awarding year. Because it's 2017 and it's so... It's very confusing. Wiki (laughs) fix up is all I have to say. Um... So in the episode, we're going to be talking about some of the weaker and stronger films. So the reason why I chose this wording is because they are Oscar nominated films. And I believe they should be given respect if they have been nominated for Best Picture, you know. So I think the word... Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially using the wording weak... Like, um, sorry, I was going to use worst and best. I think to call an Oscar film worst doesn't very... Like, doesn't sit well with me. I mean, Ford versus Ferrari exists, so... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you are saying factual things, but um, I don't know. This year, I, just, I couldn't bring myself to say worst for any of them. No, this was a very solid year. Yeah, um, which is definitely why we're getting into it. So, without further ado, let's head into it. So, weaker films. Let's start off with them. Where, where would you like to start? Because I have, I, I'll say a rant um, on the film that I think is, is the weakest of, of the bunch. Right. So I'll, I'll let you start and then I'll say my piece. <laughs> yeah, because you told me that you only have one weaker. I, I, I think there's one film that stands out as being significantly weaker than every other film on the list. Right. Okay. I'm assuming that we're in agreement, so... Okay, interesting. I don't know which one you're going to say, so maybe I'll say <laughs> one that you're not going to say first, so it's a little bit of a surprise. Okay. Okay, so now... This is going to... This is a controversial opinion. <laughs> this, this is where I, I state my claim. of This is probably the <laughs> most controversial one that I have. And this is um, Call Me By Your Name. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Please no. I'm really sorry. No. Okay, okay I'll I'll let you I'll let you go. Okay, just just let me say my piece, okay? Because it's difficult for me to pick weaker films. Because I I have to say all the films that I'm gonna say for my weaker ones are 
purely because of the plot and whether I enjoyed the plot or not. Not to do with cinematography, not to do with like music, nothing, okay. nothing to do with that. Because I think all Oscar films nominated that particular year, so 2018, mm-hmm. were really well done. I plot. have opinions. What? <laughs> okay. I think that's a fair fair way of of judging it. I've I've gone for a slightly different approach. We'll get we'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. So for Call Me by Your Name, I think I think personally, people give the film a bit too much hype. I do think it's a good film, but I think okay. it's kind of overrated, uh, considering some of the other films that were nominated this year. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's not it's popular within like our age range for mm-hmm. some reason it's like very pop and i think it's because of timothy but like <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to, I, i'll jump to my notes for uh, call me by your name and the first thing i wrote was i heart timothy shanmay please have my babies <laughs> <laughs> i mean every person our age is pretty the much first like <laughs> <laughs> literally um i did enjoy the artistic shots in the film and locations like those were amazing and Absolutely. like the roundabout scene is probably the scene that sticks out to me the most is like my favorite when they're walking around the roundabout and it's like mm-hmm. really cool yeah. shots and like the conversation they had like that's the and that's, that's the a really scene, good sequence yeah i agree it's really it's really really good um and i guess the another thing that i really enjoyed because i'm trying to get the enjoyed bits first before i before <laughs> absolutely I... slam it <laughs> Um, I liked the dad scene. So when he sat down and spoke with his dad towards the end of the film, the that was like, was yeah, the monologue was so good. Brilliant. A round of applause, honestly, it was really great. <laughs> um, but my main issue is it felt, and I don't know whether it was meant to be presented like this, but none of the people who I have seen who have watched the film who are our age, right? I haven't really mm-hmm. spoken to it about you, but maybe you share the same opinions as me. But the relationship was very toxic. Oh, um, I can definitely see where that opinion would come from. Um, I thought that it, oh, I don't know how to describe, because I definitely see where you're coming from because he's significantly older. It's all, mm. it's, it's almost as if, not quite he's grooming him, but like, I, yeah, I see sort of where, it's not even the age thing that bothered me. It was very much the fact that he knew. Um, I don't remember the. I know Elio is a character. I think that was Timothy. Yeah. That, yes. I don't remember. I don't remember the old guy's name. I think it was Oscar or Oliver, and I cannot remember which. And it's really annoying me. <laughs> so I watched this so, last night. Let's just call him O. <laughs> so, yeah. So O, he kind of like he he knew what he was doing when he was like. I guess, talking with him and starting this, like, relationship with him because mm-hmm. he knew that he was going to have to leave at some point. And he, it felt like... And Timothy was young and he's, like, impressionable and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And it felt like he was using that and he knew exactly that Timothy was going to get invested and catch feelings. <laughs> and yeah. then he kind of just left and was out of the picture and it was, like, never to be seen again towards the end of the film. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where that's come from. I, I, I guess I'm sort of going off because I, I did watch it so, um, like, recently. Um, mm. I guess the overwhelming feel of, like, oh my God, this is such like a beautiful relationship uh, flourishing. 
and like the way that is presented um yeah it's sort of taking taken over that i think i i definitely want to go back and rewatch it um mm. oh it's a sticky situation it is <laughs> not, it is a bit sticky not to mention the peach <laughs> very sticky Yikes. <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> no spoilers but I uh, are we do are we doing a no spoilers uh or i mean i want to encourage everyone to watch these films i think it's very absolutely like, if, you, if you want to understand i guess where our views are coming from rather than just have like i guess an overall review type thing you know mm-hmm. i would encourage people to watch it we can get into spoilers but we can say like when we're doing spoilers absolutely yeah um so i think this oh and as soon oh, i i do admit when i watched this film the first time i was very much on board with it and i really loved it but the more mm-hmm. i thought about it the more i went down the black hole of like Hmm, this is quite questionable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get into my feelings when we get to uh, the, not best, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stronger. Stronger films of the year, because um, this is certainly up there for me. Mm, Okay, all right. So give me one of your weaker films. So (laughs) this is going to be quite the rant. Um, (laughs) I'm so excited. I do not think that Darkest Hour should have been nominated. <laughs> so, um, uh, I'll, I'll be giving my scores that I've given on Letterboxd for all of the films. I gave this a two and a half star. If someone was like, oh, I think I'm going to watch Darkest Hour, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, don't watch it. But I would also never encourage someone to actively go out and watch it. It's not a film that is, like, incredible. My notes for this are not very extensive. It's literally... Nothing really happens. Nothing stands out other than Gary Oldman's performance. It looks all right. I guess the costumes are nice, but what's the point? It's essentially two hours of just Winston Churchill writing speeches. And especially in a year when there was a significantly better World War II film, I just don't see why you would watch Darkest Hour. Um, Furthermore, (laughs) (laughs) there was nine nominations this year. There have been where there have been 10 nominations and it absolutely grates me that this film was nominated but Blade Runner uh, 2049 and Baby Driver were both snubbed because those films are impeccable two of my absolute favourites I I haven't watched Blade Runner in a a couple of years Um, I definitely need to go back to it oh my goodness Baby Driver I could watch that film on repeat for the rest of existence and not get bored yeah I remember going to the cinema watching that like definitely feeling like whoa this is really cool Mm -hmm. and you know what I really really have to agree with you like the only thing it had going for the darkest hour was Gary Oldman's acting like absolutely definitely played Winston Churchill very well and you could tell he spent a lot of time like researching his mannerisms and like the way he Mm -hmm. walks talks stuff like that like it was really good but as I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, this was a to the back end for for one of my episodes, and I yes, and I yeah. quoted my notes, and my notes were very much. I fell asleep during this film, and I'm not even I'm yeah. not even joking. Like I genuinely was sat on my sofa watching this film. I was on my own downstairs. It was quite warm, so maybe that contributed to the fact that I fell asleep. But I sat there. And I was so bored that I just couldn't. I fell asleep. I woke up. Yeah. I realized I had fallen asleep. 
but I continued watching the film and it felt like I didn't miss anything. I was very close to falling asleep. I watched this film at 9am in the morning. I should have been wide awake. I almost fell asleep. It's (laughs) really, it's, it's just not gripping. It feels as though, even though you're in like the great war, you are in the most tense time. I didn't get that sense of tension. Um, when films in this list that have significantly lower stakes, um, we'll get onto, <laughs> onto it. I was feeling so tense during, um, and it just, Darkest Hour doesn't bring me any emotions. It was just all, I was sat in front of a television <laughs> for two hours. Fair enough. Two, I mean, two and I, a half I, I 100%, I 100% agree. Do not worry. It is, it is 100% <laughs> agree. Um, so, I can say another one now, so um, I'm really scared now. <laughs> okay, so one of my weaker ones has to be, uh, another one, sorry, um, it's Phantom Thread. Okay. Um, and purely because, like, I don't know, it just, it felt, it was Daniel Day-Lewis's last film before retiring, and mm-hmm. I think he did a lot of effort into, like, his role so like he learned sewing for the role and stuff and I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. and like I don't know it just felt it felt very um it felt like the favorite in my opinion it felt like the favorite in in the sense of like this power dynamic like who wants yeah. the power yeah. type thing but very very dull and uninteresting way yeah <laughs> all of the comedy just <laughs> Literally, just um, like suck down. a diluted version. I, I can definitely see that. I feel as though this is sort of where stronger and weaker falls apart for me because I'm aware that this is a very strong film. Mm. I, it wasn't like great for me. Um, I'm not sure whether it was a pacing issue because all of the acting was absolutely phenomenal. I um, agree, yeah. The shot composition was brilliant. The use of color. Oh my goodness. Like, oh yes, the blues and the reds, they were so good. The way that um, you start off with that warm candle lit um, shot and then you go straight to this um, completely... Oh, was... We're going to learn throughout this process that articulation <laughs> of what I like about films is not great. <laughs> but um, it's completely sharp colours, the white walls of mm. uh, and it, that contrast and then how you you're eventually because you're starting off with the uh, flash forward and then uh working your way back uh to that the colors slowly become more and more sort of saturated until you get back to that candle it's ah oh, beautiful <laughs> that the last uh the last sort of 20 minutes of this film really redeemed it for me mm. um and also uh this and call me by your name have a similarity in that they make food look so good <laughs> oh yeah this is true oh i didn't think of that yeah with the eggs in call me by your name and just all of the food in this the pastries um Even the omelet the at the end <laughs> the bit with the butter oh my goodness yeah i agree i didn't notice that actually see this is why we have two people on the podcast <laughs> absolutely <That's> the <laughs> oh that's so cool though no i agree but it just felt i think I enjoyed the fact that um, it was like there were some interesting pieces about like the dressmaking was like a form of intimacy for him and like yeah. the you know the weird mother thing where 
Cyril kind of smells her and just states all of the things <laughs> yeah. that she smells like. Mm-hmm. And like also the fact that he did not like when he dreamt of his mother, it was like he dreamt he like smelt her as well. It's like smell was quite yeah. an interesting play in this film as well. All really mm-hmm. unique and interesting that I haven't seen in like in a story before. But for sensory me, overload the movie. True, true. And like, but the thing is, I felt like it was not my cup of tea, as you said. Like it just it was not my vibe. It was not it's not a film that I don't I think I'll ever rewatch. I think that I, I I get a fair amount out of watching it back. Um, sort of knowing where it's going, I think that I'd have a, a, a greater sort of appreciation of the bits that I did enjoy. Um, yeah, it's just... I hate to say this boring, but it's a bit boring. It is a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sound like such a, a, a teenager reviewing the film saying that, but... Yeah. That's... I mean, let's own it. Kingsley, we'll own it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm guessing you didn't have another weaker. So I feel as though in terms of Oscar, uh, Oscar worthiness, mm. um, one of my favourite films on this list isn't the strongest. Um, should we go into that? Oh, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, that. I want to hear it. I I absolutely love Get Out. I knew Get you were going to say it. I, yeah, knew, I had a feeling. It's one of my favourite films of all time, let alone of 2017-18. But it it certainly doesn't sort of hold up to the uh, sort of gold standard of, of cinema that is like the Oscars. Interesting. Wow. That's an interesting view. I disagree. <laughs> Okay. Um, I I will say why in like the stronger film section, but I think you yeah. know that is val- it's a valid opinion to hold because when you think of Oscars, you think of these artistic like th- it's not just the plot you're thinking about anymore. You're thinking about the mm-hmm. way the shots are done. You're thinking about the colors. You're thinking about yeah the soundtrack. You're thinking about so many different, more subtle things. Yeah. I think a lot of that does hold up and get out, but um. So again, not to the sort of standard of something like we'll get on to later. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, now I think you're going to hate me. And I, I, okay. I'd like to say that I love our friendship and um, I apologise in advance for saying this <laughs> opinion about this film because I know that you like this I'm film because fa- you've spoken about this film to me before. Oh, I think I know which one it's going to be. <laughs> and I'm really sad to say it, but it's a weaker film purely because of the plot not because of anything else because I've seen behind the scenes of how they shot this film and I absolutely commend it it's Dunkirk mm-hmm. that's not the one I thought you were going to say um, <laughs> that's not the one you thought I was going to say interesting it's not um, my sort of adoration for for Chris Nolan is sort of leaking out right now <laughs> um, already <laughs> um, but yeah we'll get on to Dunkirk when we get to Good films, at least in my opinion. Mm. I gotta say, I, I disagree. I'm not sure. Again, I yeah, I think it's a very strong film. Um, whether it's strong enough for best picture, I don't know. That's that's what I feel. Like that's what I feel because I'm not saying it's a bad film because when I watched it, <laughs> I 
definitely like and you know my opinions on war films my opinion on war films are I'm, they're not my cup of tea and I've seen too many of them <laughs> to the point where I'm getting a bit tired of them and I want new stuff you know but when yeah. I actually went and actively watched Dunkirk in cinema it was like it was interesting and it was good but I think for me because I have like this feeling of like I guess war film fatigue if that's a thing I'm going to call it that but it just didn't I don't know it just didn't feel like as strong as the other films that have been nominating this nominated this year fair enough um but yeah I think that's all the weaker did you have another weaker um I sort of had a comment I guess a weak point of uh Dunkirk is that um Nolan uses a lot of practical effects I feel as though the, the biggest um sort of weak point for me with Dunkirk is that you don't get the sense of scale. Um, there's supposed to be about 300,000 people on that mm, beach. Mm. And it's like there's about a couple of hundred. Um, I feel so. I don't think it, it would have been to the film's detriment to have a couple of shots of, of like swarms of CG people. Yeah. <laughs> Just that, so that you can get the scale. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's something that um, Nolan like has very actively said that he, when he, like he would only ever use CGI if he actually, like it's like he's forced to, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. wants to try like, and use- uh, As an addition, not for the pure like uh, thing, like an Interstellar where they had the full set and then they just all, they even had the space backgrounds um, yeah. that just added in some slight effects in post as opposed to full-on just cgi sets mm, yeah I, I feel like that's more of a personal preference thing i mean i i am a very big activist of cgi guys <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so like i'm not gonna quite i mean and but i do appreciate a combo like i'm not just saying cg everything because there's come a point where like films are just cging everything these days i like the <laughs> black panther <laughs> Tea. no tea no shade <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah i i'm glad that black panther wasn't this year because i would have absolutely would have destroy- destroyed it <laughs> <laughs> no um but i was like i think a mix of practical and cg is always the way to go like absolutely yeah give a little bit of both we stand both <laughs> yeah so i guess that's all for the um weaker films did you have anything more to add i don't think so i think yeah as it is such a strong year i think we may have to go on to the uh onto the stronger films and i do have some some weak points of a few of them but mm. none okay. that sort of outweigh good bits cool all right so let's head into it right so now stronger films the majority of the films <laughs> i mean this is true there is majority of the films i mean for you it is majority mm-hmm. of the films but i think i did a 50 50 split kind of yeah yeah i am very indecisive <laughs> <laughs> okay start us off then um i think because i watched it the most recently i'll go with the post okay <laughs> um i felt as though the way that i watched this um sort of very much was similar to how the film was paced because I, I watched half of it yesterday and half of it this morning um and the first half of it is definitely weaker than the second half of it or at least in my opinion um I thought the, the way that this film built tension 
was excellent. Um, I also really enjoyed seeing um, sort of the way that they show how difficult it was to make a newspaper back no, in yeah, the day. Yeah, that is very true. Like, um, I don't yeah. know. I sing praises about this film so much. It's about. We just thought said it is good. <laughs> oh, this is true. Okay, so basically, um, it's about um, news. I don't think we've done that for the majority of the films, but you know what? Let's start yeah. now. Because <laughs> this, yeah, the good films deserve it. <laughs> yes, the good films. Okay. <laughs> the Darkest so... Hour does not. <laughs> <laughs> we shun that. Um, so I guess the post is about, um, it's got Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, so our guest and also Meryl Streep. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, on the uh, in the film and basically Mel Streep is the owner of the Washington Post and yeah. their newspaper is competing uh, with the New York Times and they haven't had really a big breakout story in a long time and they feel like a newspaper that's been um, I guess in the shadows with like and like second to all the best stories but this film and is then. but then <laughs> <laughs> plot twist it's not really a plot twist it's heading there it's led there um, <laughs> the start of the film. <laughs> literally it's at the start of the film um the vietnam war so it's set in like vietnam uh war era time america and there is documents uh, the pentagon papers um conversations and i guess actions in the vietnam war that the public were not were not privy to and they wanted to put them in the papers and a lot of controversy yeah. a lot of like we don't want you to put this in the paper and they're like definitely me. very poignant in uh, today's climate of the uh trump administration and fake news and trying to cancel it is true I, the news exactly if when i was watching this film it felt very much like you know i was i was watching something that was very relevant yeah. to what is going on right now so yeah it just follows the journey of how they're battling with the government basically for freedom of press damn straight <laughs> <laughs> um yeah as i say because so, you don't get the um the sort of major turn in the plot until about an hour in and um i, I don't know if that's sort of to its detriment but I sort of found that the first half I was I was struggling to engage with any of the characters because it's just sort of like Meryl Streep going around like, oh, I have paper and Tom Hanks going around like, oh, blah, blah, blah. that was a great description. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah, the, the second half where the real tension starts to build. Um, I absolutely mm. adored that second half. That was brilliant. <laughs> it was really good. I think it does... Um... It literally actively got me, like, second half of the film actively got me being like, woo, Meryl Streep! Yeah. <laughs> like, actually at my at my screen. Because, like, they undermined her because yeah. she was a woman and, like, all that stuff. It's like, brilliant I just to see her thriving. Exactly. I just didn't expect Neither did I. I, I thought it was going to be Darkest Hour Part 2. <laughs> I'm just going to keep slamming Darkest Hour. This <laughs> honestly though um yeah i don't really have anything else to say i mean the acting is brilliant i mean this is phenomenal yeah we're talking about that's that goes as well for the the supporting actors i cannot 
for the life of me, I remember his name. Uh, but the guy who gets the documents. Oh yes, him. Yeah. Yeah, he did good acting as well. I just think it was a very strong film. I, I don't know. I just loved it. I think just, and it also was a story that I was not aware of. Obviously we all know about the controversy of the Vietnam war, but it's more, I never knew about this story about the press and stuff. Yeah. Me neither. I, I've never sort of deep dived into that. I mean, I'm not much of a historian anyway, but it, it was definitely really interesting. Mm, I know it was cool. And this is what I like about some Oscar nominated films is that like they definitely go historical but like I like historical aspects of things that I would not necessarily would not necessarily know <laughs> yeah nice. I don't think there was one like that with the uh, 2020s mm. I haven't seen all the 2021s yet I still haven't seen uh, the two popes the Irishman I think that's it. I mean, you're doing better than I am. I think I've only seen <laughs> I've only seen Jojo Rabbit. I've seen Taika Waititi. Obviously, I've seen Parasite. Um, I've seen half of Marriage Story. <laughs> no, you've got to finish Marriage Story. I know, I know. I okay, mean, I'll, I will save it for the recommends, but <laughs> Marriage Story. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't worry, I will. You know why, Adam Driver? That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> ben Swolo. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not talking about Star Wars. I'm going to get yeah. too mad about <laughs> Kylo Ren. But anyway, um, so let's talk about one of my stronger ones. So I'll, I'll maybe sure. I'll talk about one that you said was weaker, which was Get Out. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Get Out is the example of Oscar films that we need to see more of, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. In a way of like thriller films. I want more thriller films nominated for Best Picture because I believe that it is such a powerful genre. It can convey some really compelling plot. And like, absolutely. It just feels like there's a lackluster of it. I was adamant that it wasn't going to get nominated in 2017. I was so happy that it did. And we are happy that it did because every single actor and actress played their roles absolutely brilliantly. Like, damn well impressed. Um, And it was so new. I cannot speak this episode. Um, It was so unique and chilling, like genuinely chilling. I think what's exceptional is that um, you've managed to get that side um, and going back to the sort of characters, this sort of comic relief uh, TSA cop character mm. never feels sort of overbearing. Um, like Jordan Peele nailed that. Yeah. Um, balancing that with the um, obviously the sort of horror aspects. Mm. It's just it is it is a genuinely wonderful film. Um, mm. I just I'm not sure that it's quite best picture worthy. Which yeah, no. me. I get that and I understand that and I think what I'm trying to say and scream at to filmmakers and to the Oscar um, awarding body, the Academy awarding body, is nominate Oscar films that are like more psychological thrillers because they are probably one of the most compelling genres of film and filmmakers 
make better psychological thriller films so they can be nominated. Absolutely. Yeah. I love just the attention to detail. Um, I mean, this might just be me digging way too deep for uh, for detail, but even just the fact that this film starts with Redbone by Charles Gambino with like lyrics, don't close your eyes and N-words creeping. Yeah, no, oh, I, I both think... Both of those particularly relevant lyrics. No, I do think, I think you are giving Jordan Peele the, like, the credit that he definitely deserved for this film because it is very well thought out. Like, everything used in the film is very thought out. Yeah, absolutely. It's exceptional. I, I, I love it. I've watched it probably three times and every single time I need to spot something new. Um, it's just... It's wonderful. It's... It, the the impact of every every shot is isn't lost on repeat viewings. Mm. Um. So I guess we can move on to another stronger film. What have you got, Kingsley? Um, I suppose let's go for one that you've you've had an episode on, Shape of Water. Oh, okay. Because my opinion of this film has shifted quite a bit. Um. I think in a similar sort of way to um, how yours did. I I wasn't a massive fan and it's really, really grown on me. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, um, like there was only one thing that stood out, stood out to me that sort of frustrated me about it. <laughs> and it's the tiniest detail. Okay. Um, so about half an hour in, there's this sort of like Star Wars slash Microsoft PowerPoint fucking wipe transition. This wipe transition is terrible. Another one. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, this isn't the rain transition. This is a wipe like <laughs> to the side. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely abysmal. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are literally coming for the director. <laughs> sorry, Gil. <laughs> I'm like. Can't breathe right now. <laughs> the fact that there are now two transitions in this film that we believe have been done on Microsoft PowerPoint. I mean, <laughs> uh, oh, dear. oh dear, is all I have to say to that. The real editing software. But yeah, this film is brilliant. Um, obviously, the score is wonderful. I'm not sure whether it's just the fact that my television is terrible. Um, it seemed a bit dark. I don't know. No, no, I, no. I would have loved to have seen it in cinemas. It's just I felt as though I lost some detail because everything was a bit sort of dark. I guess the darkness came from the colour tones of like the greeny, bluey, like yeah. deep, deep colours because those are like oceany type colours and majority of the film it was that. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think that's, yeah, darkness. But yeah, that, that ending is absolutely phenomenal. Um it is. Absolutely. Uh, the end. I, I feel as though the villain's a little bit cartoony. He, he feels like the epitome of all villains, like just meshed into yeah. one. Awful American man. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotype number one. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I explained like in a lot more detail about, yes, like, you, yeah. about this film and the way I feel about it. So if you have not listened to that episode, go back and listen to it and see what opinions I had on that. But they're very much similar to yours in the sense that watched it, 
hated it when I first watched it. I don't know whether you hated it with a strong word or whatever, but I, th- I think I was sort of I was at a a sort of uh, a three out of five, and it's it's definitely gone up. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, same. Like it's definitely gone up for me, but I still wouldn't say like like for me it was it's still a question mark film purely because mm-hmm. of um purely because i just i can't get behind the fish and the woman like i just for me i just can't <laughs> okay. i can't get behind that like that's the only reason why yeah. it's my only like question mark i can't decide whether it's weak or stronger um but you know what i want to know hmm? <laughs> there's one thing i want to know about this film oh okay, okay and i'm going back to the cat conversation <laughs> okay <laughs> oh so if fishy boy can stick his hand on a cart and heal it. Can he not just like wrap his head around hand around the cat's head? <laughs> like flex tape the head back on. Oh, god. oh my god. <laughs> With the new power of fish tape. <laughs> wow, honestly, these are really, really valid points. Points that we <laughs> I believe should take up with the director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you use PowerPoint transitions? Why could you not heal the cat's head? (laughs) (laughs) It's the little things, you know, the subtleties. (laughs) Oh, no, but yeah, I agree with your opinions on The Shape of Water 100%. Yeah. So I guess I... Your turn. It's my turn. Okay, so let's talk about a film that we haven't talked about yet. Ladybird. Okay. Oh, I love this film. <laughs> I love this film. Um, just, oh, it's wonderful. I'm, and it's not just Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> it's not just Timothy Chalamet, yeah. no. Um, not that he isn't wonderful in this, because he is a um, very different character to yeah. in Call Me By Your Name. Um, it's just, it perfectly nails... Um, like the dialogue is is perfect. I think like it is exceptional. Greta Gerwig is one of like the best directors out there at the minute as well. Uh, Little, Little Women from the twenty twenties. Oh, Mwah. masterpiece! <laughs> <laughs> we love it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just for me. I was when I watched this film and when I realized it was nominated for an Oscar, I was like, coming of age film nominated for best picture for real yeah. what <laughs> i was like wait where are we what year are we in have we gone to the future and suddenly things are becoming more diverse <laughs> the vibe though between this and like other coming of age films something like edge of 17 is so stark oh 100 <laughs> <laughs> like edge of 17 like like below With the barrel below just everything just and then you've got good old ladybird right up here which is like mm-hmm. the top floor of my house so <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i think i was so pleased with like how we saw the world from ladybird's eyes mm-hmm. like it was it it felt it felt very much like we were on her journey and we were seeing her grow up and like as all coming of age films are but it just felt more real. 
it, yeah. it felt really real because I feel like some coming of age films can be lost with within like the cheesy romance or the you know um epic soundtracks that they have yeah. like, of like really relevant it was cheesy songs it was a really like, nice sort of subtle score I I really enjoyed it sort of you get a lot of films nowadays that are do seem seem like the the soundtrack and score is just there to sell the soundtrack and score after the films come out um mm. but this definitely yeah it didn't give that vibe and i i agree did it <laughs> no absolutely. and it served its purpose as well it's not like the score was boring like yeah. it served its purpose for the film i think like my one issue with this film and um it's also coincidentally an issue that i have with three billboards is lucas hedge's performance <laughs> <laughs> just okay. i don't know what why they like no nothing like nothing against the guy but it it, it feels (laughs) as though it it constantly feels as though he's acting it doesn't feel as though i'm watching a character it feels as though i'm watching lucas hedges yeah play a character right i feel that i feel that Mm. i get yeah i get that um i don't know whether i had any real weaknesses for this film i guess things that i guess liked were pops of color like there were very like there were scenes where there just didn't feel like much color and then suddenly like ladybird's like pink yeah um, cast is just like Mm -hmm. pop of color on the screen and like i loved like the contrast between those like those are really cool um i love the relationship dynamic changing with both of her parents like she's got two completely different relationships Mm -hmm. with both her parents and they are constantly evolving and changing throughout the film, which is really epic. I, th- I think that um, sort of there's a very thin line between the relationship between uh, between like a mother and daughter being really cartoony and like being really toned down, and this treads that line, and it's absolutely it, it nails it. It's exceptional. <laughs> I agree, hundred percent. Like there is a reason why it got nominated. Exactly. And, like and like. I think that is the key reason, especially for a coming of age film. So we stand it, we love it. It is up there on the stronger. Yeah. <laughs> so back to you, Kingsley. Um, I think as I mentioned it in the previous, we should go on to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Right. Okay. okay. This is what I thought you were going to say uh, when you said Dunkirk earlier. Um, Interesting. I, 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 yeah. really? Just because you said I mentioned it before, and I have gone on about how much I love this film because this film is exceptional. Um, from the plot to the performances, um, to that amazing one where uh, the officer like goes across the road and pushes the bloke out the window. Um, <laughs> I love this film, um, and I will probably be watching it immediately after I end this uh, this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I rate it because I definitely agree with you. This film is literally, I watched it, it's the last film I watched mm-hmm. um, at, for like the running of this. Yeah. Oh my God, did it not disappoint? Like when I tell you, I love guessing plots of films as they're going on. I absolutely love doing that. Mm-hmm. When I say I got everything wrong that I predicted <laughs> for this film, I got everything wrong i pr- i tried so hard i was like i can see it this is the way this is gonna go i feel it and then it's like absolutely ah, no. not no it's constantly pulling the rock from underneath you it's 
Oh, it's just wonderful. Um, it is so wonderful. It's so like cathartic. And even though you're sort of, you are left on a bit of a cliffhanger, that is n- not by no means to its detriment. It is, mm. oh, it's, this is exceptional. This is what I wish cinema was always like and that we didn't have exactly. darkest hours. Exactly. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Just keep going for it. You know what? I stand. We can keep going for it. <laughs> um, but what I, I, I loved... I agree with you. I loved all the performances of this film. It brought up so many topics that are still so relevant today. Oh, yeah. Right? And, like, it's not even that it brought up one topic. It brought up, like... It, it so many. like injustice uh, because of race and it, it um, addresses police brutality. It, it, it so uh, it addresses addresses um, obviously sexual assault is like the primary uh, mm. one. Um, I think that is so poignant uh, today, sort of even more so than when the film initially came out. Um, exactly. It's just. It, it never feels as though it's it's preaching when mm. it's addressing those topics. It always feels necessary um, and well executed. Yeah, it's like, I agree. Like, a lot of films that try and talk about really hard-hitting topics, they tend to, like, it does come off in a preachy way. But this mm-hmm. film, it felt like you're learning about the characters' struggles and the characters' lives and what they do. And by learning that, you're learning about all the injustice that is happening and, like, the racial issues and the homophobia and, like, the sexism, like, all the whole shebang. You're learning it piece by piece as the story goes, as you're learning about the characters and their stories. Yeah, it is. I, I, if, if I were to recommend one of these films, and I couldn't recommend any of the others, I think it would be this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just... I I 100% agree. It's just, it's amazing. There was one scene that I have to talk about that I really loved. It was right at the beginning of the film, it was towards the beginning of the film where she, the priest comes in her house and she does the analogy of the LA Crips and Bloods Mm -hmm. about the way that, like, um, she, like, the way that people are addressing how like what she's gone through with her daughter yeah and like at that point you really understand that she is such an intelligent woman and yeah. that you should not underestimate her it's it sells itself very early on you don't have to <laughs> sorry to call out the post but you don't have to wait to <laughs> know that this is a great film um no yeah i agree with that <laughs> yeah have we covered most of them? I mean, did you want to talk most a bit of. more about? Did you want to talk a bit more about Dunkirk? Yeah, and Phantom Thread. I've got a bit to say about Dunkirk and uh, Call Me by Your Name, especially. I'll sort of I'll go for. Oh that. yeah. Um, the way that that um, it's Hans Zimmer's score, isn't it? Um, oh, blimey, the way that tension is built in that film is exceptional. Um, yeah, Nolan throughout his filmography. That's a word, definitely. Um, <laughs> um, the way he uses time is brilliant. And of course, that is not absent in this. Uh, it's, it's not linear. It's sort of three intersecting uh, timelines spliced throughout the film. And then they all meet up at the end. Um, and I think that's a really clever way of uh, playing with it. Again, to um, 
to throw back to your Shape of Water video um, when Matt was chatting about 1917, uh, sort of having because uh, it's all like one thing. I, I yeah. I'm going to have a little 1917 rant. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it the, the, sort of initially, um, but you don't get much out of it. I feel as though you get a lot out of watching Dunkirk. I'm glad that I've got um, a speaker set up that means that I can moderately recreate what it was like in the cinema. This film is definitely one to to have watched in the cinema. So watching it on a television doesn't quite live up to it. Although my granddad did say um, that it was too loud. It wasn't accurate because... (laughs) Too loud, <laughs> not because it wasn't hot enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. If you go for um, Call Me By Your Name, um, this film is beautiful. It's <laughs> like from the way it's shot, the use of the piano score, that final um, that final shot of Timothy had me bawling. <laughs> um, it was really sad. Um, I, I, I think that they could have done um, a lot worse portraying the relationship. Like I feel as though, like, a lot of films would have gone like ha- had a scene of like them having sex and then like the mum walking in and being like, "Oh my god, you're gay!" And it's like, no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. more mature than that. It's a film that knows what it's going for, and also the blend of the four languages, isn't it? Um, it never feels like one is overbearing on another, even though you, you only get a little bit of German. But <laughs> um, oh, it's I yeah, I watched this last night, and I cannot wait to watch it again. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I think with with Phantom Fred, I've sort of said most of what I en- enjoyed. I think the performances are great, other than. I wrote down one performance, which is terrible. Um, the person who uh, was talking to Woodcock about shoe polish being on the... Oh, no, it wasn't to him. It was about him, about the shoe mm. being on the dress. That was a badly delivered line, and it threw me out of the film. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was really good. You know what? I yeah, just it was I agree with... <laughs> it was very boring. I, I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We've literally covered all the films now, given all our opinions. So I guess now we're going to move on to saying what we thought should have won. I don't know what you're going to say to (laughs) I don't know your thoughts. It's going to be fun. (laughs) And then we're going to verse it against the thing that actually won. Sure. Okay. I had assumed that both of us don't think that Shape of Water should have won. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Clearly, I think Darkest Hour was the best film <laughs> and that it needed to win. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Imagine we actually turned around and said that after all that. <laughs> oh. Um. Okay, I don't know. Who Do you want to go first or should I go first? Oh, ooh, good question. I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first. Your podcast. Okay, okay, okay. So I think that the winner of the 2018 Oscars, right, best picture, I have the envelope right here, should have been... La La Land. <laughs> oh, wait, wrong year. 
<laughs> that was great. I give that. That was a good Pinkley. We sound that. No, I think it should have been three billboards. I think that is definitely fair. Yeah. I think it should have been three billboards just because, like, I don't know. When I watched this film, it felt like when I think Oscar Best Picture winner, I want a film that is gonna like have a lasting impact on me and like make me feel things and rewatchability and all that jazz, right? And I think three billboards definitely emulates that for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very close for me. I was so almost set on saying three billboards, but I think that Call Me By Your Name just edges it for me. I think that film is exceptional. Um, It's one of the few uh, five stars I've given on Letterboxd. Um, It's, I just really, um, it felt so real. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree. Like, I agree. I do think that is a valid film to say should have won because I, I don't know I guess maybe the toxic relationship was meant to be presented and like that was the whole point of the film um I must say I think at least a contributing factor to it not winning was the fact the previous year 2016-17 um that Moonlight won mm. and I feel as though the academy were kind of like oh oh, do we want another gay film winning? Like, I feel as though that was a contributing factor. Oh, God. The Academy makes me laugh. <laughs> For real. I don't know. Imagine Darkest Hour XD. Honestly, <laughs> there could have been so many other worthy, deserving films, but they chose that one. Um, I get... One thing I did want to mention that I mentioned on my Instagram story for um, like Deets with Dita, but it's something that after my Academy Awards episode actually had come out, um, the Academy Awards announced that they're trying to do more diversity inclusion type stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it meant, and one of the things that they were doing immediately, what they said, it was very wishy-washy, what they said was, they are making plans and efforts to add a diversity criteria to all the films that are nominated for Best Picture. That's all they said about that. But then the bit of action that they're doing right now that's so revolutionary and groundbreaking and is so amazing is that they're having a fixed number of nominees per year for Best Picture. Do we know how many or... I'm pretty sure it's on the higher end. So like they're trying, like I believe how the many were nominated this year, like wait, let's count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. I think nine is now like yeah. the firm yeah. basis of like they are all we've had every some ten and we've had like lowers, but yeah. Yeah, that we they want to do that. And I get what they're trying to be like. They're trying to be like more opportunities for more diverse films to be nominated. This is a prime example of a year that nominated a film, even though it had nine nominees, that one of the films that we've expressed didn't believe to be deserving of it. Yeah. Um, I think that meeting, like, quotas for diversity, it's it's obviously good to, to get representation. I feel as though you do want the best films to be nominated as well. Um yeah, so 
I don't know whether or not it's was meeting a diversity quota so that Guillermo del Toro film one, but mm. I certainly feel like there were better films in Shape of Water, but still, Darkest Hour did not deserve it's it was blatant Oscar bait. It was blatant Oscar bait. That's another <laughs> um, issue that I have is that with the film industry, they have certain films that they that are shoehorned to target the Oscar yeah. like actual nomination, like, and that really irritates me because it's like, no, you're I'm making still a film so frustrated that Green Book won. Won the twenty No, absolutely not. It's just it's it's annoying that we have a world. We live in a world where filmmakers try to appease an academy awarding body when they should really be yeah. out there trying to create make the unique, best film. yeah a diverse and unique film exactly i mean yeah so three ball boards for me call me by your name but you know we can't have what we want in life and the shape of water one so what <laughs> did win not that it was a bad film it was a very good film um but Yucky, yucky fish man. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I guess that's it. We've we've covered everything on Oscar Films of 2018. Been a wild yeah. ride. <laughs> right, so we are now on to the final segment of our show. And I don't know whether you've heard of it, but it I is. I have. You have. Oh, okay. So it's I'm the recommend. Or to the back end segment of the show. Now, as you are the guest, I always would like my guests to go first with their either recommend or to the back end. So hit me with your best so, shot. <laughs> I've got two uh, films. Uh, and these were two films that I thought were completely snubbed in the 2020 Oscars. Uh, so Ooh. first we've got Cut Gems. Ah, okay. Netflix. It's Adam Sandler, not in a terrible Adam Sandler film. It's, <laughs> um, yeah, never thought I would be able to sympathise with a sort of thieving jewellery store owner, <laughs> absolute <laughs> creep. Um, but yeah, it's just it's 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 a very 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 good film. <laughs> that was an excellent description. Uh, <laughs> my second. Um, is Trey Edward Schultz's latest, latest film, uh, Waves. Ooh, um, I've heard that one, actually. This is probably my favourite film of last year. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't have to describe it without spoiling it. It's, but it's almost... It's, it's weird to describe it, because it's almost like two films sort of glued together. Um, it's Ooh. just a story of this, um, yeah, this African-American family... Um, dealing with um, yeah, uh, the trauma that's going on in their lives. Um, it's, oh my goodness, I absolutely love this film. The, um, the soundtrack is uh, super eclectic. You've got a bunch of um, different artists and then as well a, a, a lovely score. Um, the way it's shot is unbelievable. Um, some of there's uh, there's a couple of these sequences that are shot in cars and i i'm absolutely baffled at how they do how they've managed to film it. i'm assuming they've had to cut a hole in the roof of the car 
and stick the camera in because the like camera's like spinning while they're driving. It's wow. absolutely exceptional. Um, yeah, I honestly cannot recommend this film enough. Um, A24 is putting out some amazing stuff, like eight, eighth grade. Um, well, Hereditary is A24, isn't it? Um, absolutely love that. And Midsummer, But Waves, watch Waves. I cannot express this enough. You must all watch Waves. I mean, you've got to track it down first. Um, it's because you can, it's not on like any, well, you can like buy it on YouTube or uh, Amazon Prime. Sadly, it's not on Netflix, which is really annoying. But, um, uh-huh. but I it's, think, it's you know, as you described the film, I think you've actually told me about this film before. I think, uh, yeah, I think when I watched it, I had a, a, a good gush about it. <laughs> yeah, I th- I remember coming to school one day and you just like raving about it. Oh, yeah. I have to watch it now. It's on my list. I'm actually going to write it down. Okay. We are going to watch it. And then who knows, maybe by next episode, I would have had it ready, like ready to talk about. Yeah. I think uh, I, an A24 episode might be a good one because there's a lot of great stuff coming out of A24. Interesting. I will keep that in mind. I'm getting loads of good suggestions for like different <laughs> um, podcast episodes and themes. Maybe you could join me for the A24 episode again. I would love that. Oh, look at that. We're already planning next episodes. <laughs> we love it. Um, so my recommend this week, I don't have a to the back end because it is a joke that I do not and cannot find a, rec- a, back- a back end because I you don't watch bad stuff. I just, exactly. See, you know, you, you've got the catchphrase down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, my mum and I have been watching a TV show um, whilst like she has her lunch breaks for work <laughs> because she's working from home at the moment. Um, and we've been watching the show called Devs. No way. Yes. Oh my god, I, 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 I started watching it. Um, I'm on episode three. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's brilliant. really good. We are on the final episode. We're waiting. We don't know. What, we were meant to watch it today before this. We didn't end up watching <laughs> it. We watched something else. But, oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen a TV show. I, I've, it's just really weird. Recently, I've been watching a lot of things, right, that are so different and unique that is really like making me super impressed with like creators out there and being unique. Like Debs is a show. Okay. The premise is um, there's this girl called Lily and her boyfriend, um, Sergey. Yeah. Yeah. That's his name. Um, They work (laughs) for this company called Amaya and they, it's like a tech company, but it's a tech company with a twist, right? Like they have this secretive devs department, which is like stands for development department. And no one really knows what goes on there. Um, And Lily's boyfriend, Sergey, manages to work his way up to actually being able to work there. And it follows and unfolds the uh, events of like, what is actually going on in this development department? You know, why, why are they keeping it so secretive? What are some of the stuff that they've done to try and hide the fact that they don't want people to know about it. And it's just, it is really interesting and compelling. And it is a show as well that, because we're, we're math nerds, we're physics nerds, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we- My computing 
level I understood about like three words of what he said I was so happy with it literally like so for me when I'm watching this like when I hear things that they talk about that like I understand like as a maths nerd or like physics nerd I'm just like oh okay this is cool <laughs> I feel happy watching this yeah. because it appeases to my physics and maths nerd so I definitely recommend anyone to watch it's on BBC iPlayer so that's a good we stand that um and it's got what's his name Nick Offerman in it um what's his name in Parks and Rec uh Ron Swanston I was wondering why I didn't know who it was because yeah never watched Parks and Rec oh Parks and Rec is cool man he's really cool in Parks and Rec Ron Swanston man super cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah that's my recommendation I've got it to the back end oh wow well it's it's kind it's kind of because um I don't know if you've watched it uh it's on Netflix uh Dolomite is my name is interesting. A, this is not the film, film that I was going to say, um, but that film is excellent. And what it is, um, so you know how the disaster artist is like about the room. Mm. Um, so this film is about um, you've got Eddie Murphy in it playing um, this character from the oh goodness me, is it seventies? I can't remember. Um, called Dolomite. Um, I've heard of this film. Yeah, and basically it's. Um, this guy playing this character called um, uh, called Dolomite. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely abysmal. This guy um, put together this film, but it's basically just him sort of shooting people and like stealing drugs. And it is absolutely hilarious to watch. Um, but it is a terrible film. So the actual film is called Dolomite. Um, and then the film about person in the film is Dolomite's my name with Eddie Murphy in it and that that is a very good film um interesting very interesting to watch oh well you gave us like a double whammy with that (laughs) oh man how can I not say cats I I can't believe I wasted my life watching cats oh my god (laughs) ah you actually watched it I did I watched it the whole way through he says he fell asleep halfway through and woke up (laughs) three quarters of the way through the issue is me as a Taylor Swift fan um <laughs> you know we'll try and defend it oh this is oh this is gonna cause controversy I have not mentioned this on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> yikes everyone just unfollows me no um I was a Taylor Swift fan and like I really enjoyed like I thought her performance in the film was kind of good that's the only thing I've seen of the film um, I refuse mm-hmm. to watch anything else of it because it, it looks horrific. Um, I just, what it I was will brutal. Say, it was obviously a real ordeal to watch. <laughs> it hurt me physically and mentally. The issue is, I think what one thing I will say um, is people need to stop slating the CGI artists for the film because in their eyes they were given a brief about what they needed to do right and they carried that out to the best of their abilities right it's not like they had creative of how they wanted to um i guess create the um the characters they had to follow a strict brief right so you can't turn around and say the cgi in this film is bad when in actual fact the CGI is good because the CGI artists worked on it and did a good job of delivering what they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Per the spec. It's just that the character design is off-putting. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. 
like I I went to go um to see a CGI company and like it's changed my view of like I guess how much slack CGI like artists get for some of these things yeah like especially for genie and for like uh for, from aladdin and from uh from cats and sonic the hedgehog <laughs> speaking of aladdin that was the other thing uh, that i suggested for my for back end, which is every disney reboot um <laughs> oh my goodness they are abysmal they are pretty um, bad especially being the only one i kind of like maleficent uh, yes maleficent, maleficent's all right yeah yeah um but, but it's disney reboot cinderella is part the rest of yeah <laughs> we'll save that for next yeah it's uh, just it's just kind of yeah everything's a bit messy with cgi with like people disliking films purely because of the character design rather than the actual quality of cgi it's just it really gets on my nerves yeah <laughs> this is a very chaotic way to end the episode it is a very chaotic way to end the episode but you know what <laughs> it has been amazing thank you so much Kingsley, for coming on thank you for having me it has been so much fun to talk about these brilliant films and darkest hour <laughs> right till the end right till the end <laughs> Oh no, it's been yeah. great. You have been an amazing guest and Thank I can't you. wait to have you back at some point because you've oh, got I'm to looking come forward back. to it. Gotta come back. Um I also wanted to say Kingsley is quite the um musical theatre um person, if I do say so myself, I can proclaim this. <laughs> and he's done many musical theatre ventures and all that lovely stuff. And I think everyone should keep a lookout for some of the stuff that he's doing because I definitely can't I definitely <laughs> can't wait to go and see one of your plays like in oh, in the theater. That's if the theater exists anymore, Miss Rona absolutely destroying the industry. You know what? Okay. I have hope because I want to see you in theater at least once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'll do it for you. So long as you, you remember me when you've got your audible sponsorship. That's when I'll make it. That's when I'll make it when I have the Audible sponsorship. If you're listening, Audible, hit me up. You know, I'm here. I'm out here trying to, <laughs> trying to have a good time. No. Um, honestly, you're amazing and I can't wait to see stuff from you. So I think everyone who is listening to the podcast should definitely keep an eye out for Kingsley because he's going to do good things in life. So. <laughs> <laughs> So wholesome, I'm going off the CGI. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So if you want to send a recommender to the back end or give me an episode idea, you can follow uh, you can tweet me on Twitter at Deets with Dita or you can DM me or comment on an Instagram post at Deets with Dita. Same, same handle. It's not a very, you know, used handle, so I got most of it <laughs> on the platforms. Um and I don't know if you want to continue listening to my podcast give it a follow on apple um not a follow on apple <laughs> a follow on spotify and a subscribe on apple podcast there we go got it right <laughs> only been doing the seven episodes <laughs> and also if you enjoyed me just rambling on about films with my number of guests that I have today being Kingsley please give it a review on Apple Podcasts just give a little scroll down and give it however many stars you feel you know I'll be super happy with anything 
whether it be one or five, at least it's something, you know, I don't mind. Um, and You've got to get at least two and a half because this podcast is better than Darkest Hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess, do you have anything to add, Kingsley? I don't think I do, other than thank you again. It's <laughs> been wonderful. Oh, thank you. You've been wonderful too. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone, and I will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.